Ah, man, we just lost another bounty. What do we do? Hey, we just scored a bounty. What do we do? Now we're just kind of sitting around talking. Oh, but now we're all real sad. Uh, I sure hope somebody cures cancer in the future. We're listening to Cowboy Bebop. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite podcast yeah i know i said listening to in the intro but i meant watching and you knew what i meant so i'm not going to go back and fix it my name is drew and i am here to talk to you guys about cowboy bebop but i cannot do it alone miles my good friend how are you man doing good i'm doing good i am uh i don't know i'm always i'm always really really uh, excited when we're doing a deep. I, I love doing our deep dives. I do. Nine times out of ten, I start in the middle of them, start feeling a little fatigued. Uh, that definitely happened when we did uh, Forever Night. Yes, just because they were hour long episodes. And so far, I, because I'm actively going in the the weekly format, I I have not hit that point with Bebop yet. Also, because this show freaking rules <laughs> it does it really does we we are 10 episodes in right now actually yeah 10 episodes in right now uh and we're we're not even to the halfway point but it is still going strong i have so many of my notes well as i'm watching these episodes are man this show is good man this music is good man this man that but one of the things that stands out as as part of of this show and what makes it work so well is that the voice cast is really, really good. And that's what we're going to spend a little time talking about before we get into our episodes today, because we, we, we teased this for a couple of weeks. We're not going to go into huge uh, actor backstories. We just kind of want to talk about, you know, who who some of these characters, who some of these actors are and the roles they play, but some other roles that you might know them from, because I guarantee you definitely do. Uh, notably, and we're going to start with the English cast. Uh, let's talk about Steve Bloom. So, I mean, Steve Bloom is one of those guys where I feel like whenever I hear him in an anime, he's one of those voices that like I zero in on. Yeah. And it's not that he's, you know, a one note actor, but there is there is many times where he is called to play a similar kind of character. And so he falls back on on the spike voice and it's it's so distinct. But he's he's an excellent voice actor and he he's. Him and um, and w Wendy Lee both, they're they're the kind of person where if you if you Wikipedia them, more than twenty of their roles have their own Wikipedia entry, exactly. which, which notes how large of a role they play, not only in voice acting but like in anime as a, as a whole. Yeah, so so let's just go through. Steve Bloom is uh, roles that you might have heard him on our show already. Uh, he was uh, Zeb on Star Wars Rebels. He is in uh, he's been a number of roles in Naruto. He he was Tom, the the sort of host of Toonami, a, a Cartoon Network's Toonami, which is the reason why most people our age got into anime at a certain point. Just a pretty fitting for him to be the initial voice of Toonami and also being in one of the I would say milestone animes of the late nineties and of, of anime in general. Definitely. But, but he hasn't just been an anime. He has also been in uh, a number of, uh, of just regular, like regular cartoons. Listen to me talking like this. I mean, he's, he's been all over uh, DC stuff. He's, he, he's been uh count vertigo in, in young justice. He's been uh, the red skull and Wolverine. He was Wolverine at a certain point dudes wolverine uh <laughs> he was wolverine in the in the x-men anime and the wolverine anime right uh and in a uh, wolverine and the x-men and the earth's mightiest hero earth's mightiest heroes oh, Avengers okay. so he did it more than a handful of times he he's um, a green lantern in injustice 2 he is 
all over uh, all over video games. Uh, you may remember him from the 7-Eleven commercials. Oh, thank heaven. I'm not even going to pretend to do his voice, but he was the oh, thank heaven guy. Like this, this guy has been uh, all over the place. And as we just learned right before we started recording, uh, he married uh, voice actress and, and voice director Mary Elizabeth McGlynn in 2017. That's the major. That is the major from Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Well, all the Ghost in the Shell stuff, really. She's been the major for a very long time. Um, there's really. Yeah, it's it's wild. There's really <laughs> not much more you can say about Steve Bloom. But one thing I will just add in is, um, you know, I, I love Gundam. Uh, Steve Bloom has not done a ton of Gundam. He's been in a couple of things here and there uh, as background voices. Uh, but uh, the original release of the Mobile Suit Gundam movie trilogy in the United States was on VHS only. Uh, it had a dub done by a different company. The dub is not very good. But in that dub, Steve Bloom plays Char Aznable, uh, which is a a very different take and odd and honestly it's a good take he does a good job all things considered but it's one of those things that i think uh with a better voice direction that really could have brought that that to, to something else so uh that that's do, do we know much about that dubbing i mean was it kind of a, a dubbing that was done on the cheap or there there's a lot that can be said and i would need to do some more research but i can tell you that they did not use that dubbing warehouse for the the series when they did that a couple of years later and they uh and the movie trilogy that they have released since then has always been subtitled uh with with they did they chose not to redub the movie with the series cast which is just a choice i don't know i don't really Mm -hmm. understand that but uh let's let's skip over jet for right now let's talk about wendy lee uh wendy lee oh man your computer will will slow down as her IMDb page loads. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 impressive. I mean, I would say probably the most high profile. And, and like I just said, she's another one where you can kind of scroll down her her Wikipedia entry and you see Blue also in the character that she plays on top of like the the show or movie that she was in. That's how many iconic character characters she plays. But I, I would say outside of maybe Faye Valentine, her most iconic role would be Bulma from Dragon Ball. Definitely. Uh, I mean, she, was she Bulma in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z? I don't actually know yes. that. Yes, she. I think she has played Bulma. Said I know she's. I know she's Bulma in Super. So I would assume she's in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, but she was. She was Vanessa in Robotech, which was actually her first acting credit that is listed in 1985. She's been, oh man, all over Naruto, Ooh. all over. Tenchi Muyo. Remember Tenchi Muyo? We had to we had to watch a Tenchi Muyo for for. Yeah, I remember that being one where like kids who had already got into into anime would tell you about Tenchi Muyo. I don't think I've ever seen maybe more than one or two episodes of Tenchi Muyo. So, well, they they ironically played both Tenchi Muyo and Tenchi Universe on uh, on uh, Toonami. Uh, So I I remember that. I just don't think I ever watched it. And I think I was incorrect. it doesn't look like she was in Dragon Ball Z, which is odd. Well, they brought her back for Super, so that works. But um, yeah, but yeah, but Tenchi Muyo and Tenchi Universe were the same show, but a different take on the same show. It's a weird. Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Wendy Lee. Uh, she, oh man, she has continues to work. She, I mean, but she, she's I mean, also, recently. Uh, she was in uh, I think Cells at Work, which was a pretty big anime. She's also it. it Return to the Gundam franchise in Iron-Blooded or- or Orphans. Yes. As uh, Amida. And she was Queen Serenity in the 2014 to 2015 run of Sailor Moon Crystal. And last but not least, we do have to talk about some of her live action voice roles. She was mm-hmm. the English voice of Scorpina on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And later yes, as the, the robot Alpha 6 uh, as the Power Rangers went to space and then got lost in a galaxy. Yes, uh, the, the, those uh, outside of a small role uh, called Alive, her her only live action film roles <laughs> are for the Power Rangers, which <laughs> I I very much love. Um, oh, man, I, I, we could I, I, we could do a we could do podcasts based on just the we, these you, two you could absolutely do an alone. entire podcast based off the voice work of Wendy Lee, who's exceptional. I think she does a phenomenal job as uh, Faye. 
She brings a lot of character and personality to the character that's beyond the script. And I think that's one of the reasons why we are focusing on this voice cast, especially in an era, and Drew and I can both speak to this, uh, having been, you know, alive and teenagers, in an era that didn't look kindly on American voice actors in the anime scene at the time. Yes. I mean, th- this is something that we have to say about about Cowboy Bebop when we say it over and over again. This show was known for having a good dub. I used air quotes. You couldn't see them, but Miles could see them. Uh, I'm yes. hoping that you could hear them when I did it. But uh, th- it, it, dubs were known for being weird and bad. And this wasn't the first good dub. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the first good dubs here in a minute as we talk about some of the <laughs> the, the next uh, character or uh, next actor we're talking about. But they were still really few and far between but this is also the it's the turning point this is when dubs started to get taken really really seriously and and they got good voice direction this yeah this was definitely used as kind of the if you talk to any anime fan in a comic book shop uh they would always kind of point out bebop as the exception to the rule And, and i mean to to be fair having gone back and watched a lot of anime as as a kid and like picked up dvds and stuff you know a lot of those i i I developed the habit in high school to i would put on the dub but i'd also put on the subtitles to see what the differences were and in some things like a production of ninja scroll it was wild how different the script was and then in in some things you know like vampire princess miyu it was uh different but not drastic I want to say once Princess Mononoke came out with uh, Neil Gaiman's adaptation, it kind of set the, while the dub is not exactly, uh, you know, some people have feelings about big, big time actors in, in voice roles. Yeah. But I think, I think the Miyazaki stuff, once Disney started uh, scooping that up uh, after Spirit Away, I think it set a precedent for a focus on the dubbing. For a larger production I, I think you may be, be right about a lot of that stuff uh well let's talk bo billingsley because bo billingsley is is one of the 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 crew that has probably just as many live action uh filmography oh, yeah. as he does with with voice filmography probably actually more live action than than dubbing uh of course he was in uh i i'm gonna lynch it it's actually not on his imdb page but i know his voice so well he was in macross plus he was uh the the commandant of the airbase that uh, all the that the, the the story takes place in uh which i mentioned because macross plus is also one of the great dub uh things that have come out we'll talk about that another time because i have uh i have feelings um anyway might talk uh, about it in December. <laughs> might talk about it in December. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but outside of that, um, did you know the Bo- Miles that Bo Billingsley is a lawyer? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> he he graduated uh, from the University of Connecticut, uh, where he played football. Turned down going into the NFL in order to fulfill his ROTC obligation. But then, but they let him go to Yukon uh, Law School, where he graduated, and then spent a number of years in the Judge Advocate General's Corps. That man has lived a life. <laughs> he, he really, really has. Uh, he has been in a number of live action things outside of that. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, he played an admiral. He was in Halloween H2O. He's been in a number of things. Um, <laughs> and of course, he. Uh, the, the other side of that is that he was when they first announced Final Fantasy VII Remake and they played a, a, a preview of it. He was the voice of Barrett in Final Fantasy VII Remake. He is not in the main game, uh, but as I looked into it, he apparently has voiced Barrett in uh, Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus, uh, which and I have Advent a, Children and Advent Children. Forgot about that. Uh, and which I have a copy of Dirge of Cerberus sitting right over here that I have uh, not even taken out of the, the package. Um, maybe I'll play that You're on good. stream one day. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, and last but not least, uh, we have Melissa Fawn as Edward, who is we're, we're going ahead and including Edward, even though Edward is introduced in the episodes that we are watching uh, for today. Uh, she does not have a huge uh, uh, 
voiceover career and and televised acting career. Uh, some things we we have talked. Don't hmm? know about that. She's got plenty of titles. Oh, you know what? I'm I didn't scroll down far enough. I take that back. She's got a huge voice acting career. <laughs> she 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 is also in Macross. <laughs> they, they they separated her out into uh into live action roles and dubbing roles, and I just hadn't scrolled down far enough. Yeah, I, I, when we started talking, I was like, "What is he talking I'm, about?" I'm a I'm a big dumb <laughs> dummy, is what I am. Uh, she's been in a number of 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 Macross production. She was in Macross too. She was uh, in Macross uh, plus. Uh, she played Lucy in Macross plus, uh, which is uh, cool. I think if I, it might be, I hope she I'm not getting... is, no, also she is not in Lucy of... in Macross plus. I take that back. She's also in one of the best, I would say standalone uh, Gundam series that takes place in the universal century uh, in OAF MS team. Well, she's barely in that. She plays a young version. She's of... still in it. That's still a Gundam connection. I, I think she plays a better character in uh, 0080 War on the Pocket, where she plays basically the same character she played in Fooly Cooly, which is the <laughs> which is the snobby classmate of the main character. <laughs> yeah. And she's in Fooly Cooly. <laughs> uh, but she is also one of the Tachikomas, the sort of main Tachikoma in Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Which I, he, I I may have said something when we did Ghost in the Shell where I because I had, didn't look it up at the time where I was like, this sounds so much like Ed from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> well, <laughs> because you'd be the, right. The, the, the Tachikomas uh, act like Ed. <laughs> quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, but as good as this dubcast is, and we, we are going to move on a little bit from here. Um, I wanted to look up because I have only really ever watched this show dubbed because that's what was available. It's a yeah. good dub. It's a great dub. So why would I watch anything else? But then I decided to look into the the Japanese voice cast, especially in light of 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 Netflix using the Japanese voice cast to Japanese dub the characters for 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 that release uh, of their live action series. And this is awesome. It's really awesome that they that they did that. So I just I want to go through and talk about some of the stuff that that we have seen, because some of these things are extremely surprising. Uh, I, I actually want to start with Jet this time. Uh, I want to start with Unsho Ishizuka, which I apologize uh, for that, because these are you know Japanese names and that's not our native language. So I hope we were not missing mispronouncing them too badly. Um, so he is uh, he has since passed away. He he passed away in 2018, but he had a very long career uh, doing mm. a, a bunch of, stu of stuff. Of course, he was Jet in this series. He was in Dragon Ball Z and later series as Mr. Satan. He did not originate that role, but he took over for that role following the the uh, the the death of the previous actor. He's in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. He's in uh, a number of things, but. One thing that he was definitely in, which is one of my favorites, is he is the the voice of Gold Goa Bowman, the one of the two main characters, one of the three main characters in Macross Plus in the Japanese release, which is really awesome. He was also Colonel Voltan in Redline. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I would probably say his, his other most known uh, character is Professor Oak in Pokemon. Oh, awesome. I missed that. Uh, He's also the, the voice of the Gyarados, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing it, it's so wild because when we're talking about the origins of this show, you get the feeling that it's this kind of ragtag effort. But, you know, that that money from Bandai, I think, you know, was very well spent in, when they were when they were putting together both the, the Japanese and the the, you know, I guess the American cast was probably done through a different company but uh when they were when they were casting these shows i mean heck uh, faye valentine's uh actress um has just as many like incredible accolades to her name well as as uh jet does yeah so well, let's talk about let's talk about faye sir so, uh megumi hayashibara uh who of course is uh of course, is Faye here. Her first acting role 
that she was in nursing school and just decided to go and do an audition. Uh, she she did a, a couple of a couple of really small roles, but her first big one, she went into uh, to 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 a little show called Ranma One Half, uh, expecting to be cast as as Akane in that show, but was instead cast as the female Ranma in that in that series, which is wild, which is <laughs> just wild. She's Rei Ayanami in in Neon Genesis Evangelion and. Oh boy, let's see. Let's see. Um she's also in uh Gundam uh 0080 War in the Pocket. Uh oh, is she Christina McKenzie in that? I She is. Yes, so which is uh amazing. She's Christina McKenzie in 0080. She's Lucy McMillan in Macross Plus. Um but maybe one of the things she's probably known best for in Japan, she's the voice of Jesse on Pokemon. <laughs> She is one half of Team Rocket. So we're getting a lot of Pokemon actors here. <laughs> a lot of Pokemon actors. And again, she she continues to do a ton of a ton, ton, ton of work. She's been in a, a, a whole bunch of other stuff that, that we're not going to get super into. She was in Space Dandy, which is another uh, show by the the creator of uh, of. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, you know, that show we're watching right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, let's let's she's she's in a a show that's actually out this uh, this anime season that I really, really want to watch called uh, Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut, which looks really, really good. Um, I love that title. (laughs) Yeah, it it just started airing and it looks very, very cool. I don't think it has a dub. Um, She she's worked a lot with uh, what night because she's also in Carolyn Tuesday, which was his uh, Netflix original show that technically takes place in the same universe as Cowboy Bebop, even though it is a completely different genre show altogether. Yeah. Uh, So I will say just uh, just a reminder that uh, the the creator of Cowboy Bebop was the co-director of Macross Plus, which is why a lot of these folks are showing up. At least the Japanese cast are showing up there, too. Um, Let's talk about uh, Ed's voice. Uh, Ed Ed is uh, voiced in Japanese by Aoi, Aoi Tada. Uh, and she does not have a super long uh, voice tr- uh, voice career. Um, in fact, she's also relatively young. She's only 40 right now. Uh, so she started her career fairly early voicing Ed. Uh, but then she retired from voice acting to basically become a, a, a J-pop star. <laughs> so she uh, performed uh, with uh, with the band Veil uh, and released songs as you know, under that, she did some anime intros and she continues to looks like she's continuing to release stuff. Um, but did, did some theater. She's the voice of Annie. She played Annie and Annie, <laughs> which was, which is oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's round it out by talking about, uh, the big man himself, Spike Spiegel, the Japanese, uh, Spike Spiegel. This is maybe one of the most surprising entries i have ever read uh, yeah so the 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 japanese voice of spike spiegel is an actor named koichi yamadera uh koichi yamadera is of course uh spike in in this uh in this game he has been in uh the yakuza video games uh he is togusa in uh in ghost in the shell all of the ghost in the shells he plays togusa in japanese uh he is uh in lupin the third as uh the 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 second uh detective zinagata after the the original uh, uh passed away he has credits on credits on credits on credits all over the place for everything and, um, and as main characters like he in, in ninja scroll he is the ninja like he's jubei and yeah. it's it's i mean it's not uncommon to see voice actors have have these kind of careers but like his career in japan i think i I don't think there's an american analog to it well and there's there's not i think mostly because in japan because they get a lot of american media translated and and japan likes to have one voice represent that performer when they dub over stuff into into their language so you might hear his voice when you're watching a Jim Carrey movie or an Eddie Murphy movie or a Robin Williams movie or a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or Brad Pitt or Michael J. Fox or Will Ferrell or John Hamm or Will Smith. He is the official voice of Will Smith 
in Japan. He is apparently most famous for being Will Smith. And I have just sent uh, a photo to Drew of him with Will Smith. Oh, they've met several times. They, and, yes. and I, I believe he actually performed his Will Smith voice for uh, for Will Smith. And Will Smith greatly approved of it. I, I need to hear uh, his Will Smith voice. I'm going to look I, that up I, after, I, we, uh, after we are done I tonight. I do too. Um, but I, I also love that... Um, outside of all that he is also the official which is a big deal because they usually only have a a a handful of voice actors selected he is the official dubbed voice of donald duck in japan so spike spiegel and donald duck are the same actor i i would love to hear some of his other stuff just just because he he ranges he just he seems to do a lot of comedy and a lot of his actors are comedic actors. So I would love to see, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've never actually listened to bebop that much in Japanese. I've mostly watched the dub because I like it so much. Yeah. Same. Um, I listened to a little bit in, in preparation, but, um, I switched it back. Cause I was just, uh, I just, I love this dub cast so much. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that, and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way because, uh, I haven't played some of the later Yakuza games. I don't think he's in Yakuza zero, so I haven't heard him in that series. Um, I, I would be very, very interested to, to hear some of his stuff, especially when he's voicing like Will Smith, because apparently that's the one he's most known for. And I kind of want to know what the official, Japanese voice of Will Smith is supposed to sound like. So uh, according to 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 what our source here, he is both the Robin Williams genie and the Will Smith genie in Aladdin. <laughs> yes. Um, if, if you go on to Wikipedia, they actually give you a list of movies for each person that he tip tends to dub. Um, and. Eddie Murphy is the one that he has done the most, which is wild. And I, I would be very curious because he's he's voiced Robin Williams in uh, Aladdin, but also Mrs. Doubtfire, Jack, Flubber, and Father's Day. I know those aren't the only movies he's did, done, but like just it's a wide variety of 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 Robin Williams performances. It's like it's it's so fascinating. This he has maybe the longest credits of it. it, it I think his credits <laughs> outstrip any of the American voice actors, and we know that they have a ton of credits just because of voiceover work and and dubbing work in in their own right. Um, so yeah, I really want to to go uh, and and look into some of this stuff um, because. Man, what what a career. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild to see the stuff he's done. And in in both animation and, and for his his live dubbing. But I also I, I, I think the reason we wanted to bring a, a, you know, a little bit of a focus to the accolades of the of both the Japanese and the American voice cast. I know it just sounds like we're listing stuff, but it's important to contextualize what a perfect storm this anime is. And while it's not only good because it had a, a creative team that really came together, but it also had some of the absolute best talent that was developing in this medium. Yes, one hundred both Japan and England or English. Um, so, with that said, uh, do you want to do you want to hop into this week's episodes? Let's get into it, uh, and we start this week in episode eight. Waltz for Venus. Uh, I love the cold open for this episode. Yeah, I love the cold open because they finally get a bounty. <laughs> they, um, they, they do. First off, how easy is it to get that many guns on a luxury liner? Uh, it's it's kind of wild. That was my same thought. I mean, I get this is 1998 when this was being, you know, uh, put out in, in Japan and, you know, airport security was what it was in the 90s but they flat out just brought duffel bags of guns onto this this hyperspace plane yeah really really wild but um of course uh as these people are about to to take over the the ship uh one guy's like oh, i'll give you money just let me go it's like all right you fool um uh, of course uh Faye and spike uh show up and just take 
out these fools. And it's all done in zero gravity, which just makes it even cooler to watch. I, I also love that it's kind of like Spike is doing this kind of like Mr. Bean-esque thing, except he's doing it on purpose where he's he's doing it for he's like Buster Keaton here. Like, oh yeah, because because he's wearing a sleep mask and like, hey buddy, wake up, wake up, and and he just stretches and punches the guy in the face. Yeah, it's it's so it's so great. It also, and it's only because of a recency bias thing. It also reminds me of the opening of the recent animated Gundam film Hathaway's Flash because it also opens up with a space hijacking. Yeah, very different tone in that space hijacking. hundred oh, percent. <laughs> but you also have like the Hirokai doing, you know. Yeah, it's it's. It's good. Uh, but yeah, this this opening is is fantastic. And yeah, it's so exciting because we, we finally get to see these guys get some money. Yeah, um, they, and, they and turn the in first thing they does. <laughs> they turn in Huey, Dewey and Louie. Yes. Uh, when they turn in the bounty, you I pause love it. it and you and you do that. Also, it's just weird to see how they do like they have a, a bounty terminal and airport like they're not even there. They just like go and they press buttons on the screen. They get a little cash card. It's really, really wild. But uh. But yes, what it is also the first just to thing? show how legitimized the bounty hunting profession is. Yes, definitely. Um, there's a bunch of nonsense placement text on that, too. Just a lot of X's and Y's and Z's typed yeah. over and over, which I love. Uh, but yes, of course. Uh, what does uh, Faye go and do, Miles? She goes to the casino. <laughs> what, what is her line that she says there? More fun than... Uh, is it more fun than investing or more fun than spending? I can't remember what she what she says with it, but it's very it's very funny. Uh, I'm trying to remember what she says. I, 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 I can't remember. She does have some little comment about. Uh, it's a more interesting way to spend your money or, or something like that. I can't remember specifically, but um, I also loved in that moment because uh, so so Spike is now going to he's riding an elevator down from the spaceport. And not only is there incorrect English on the signs in the background, there's incorrect Spanish, too. You know, what? you never get to see that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but and, and once again, he's starts smoking in an elevator that specifically says no smoking allowed because <laughs> Spike just. He just wants to smoke <laughs> spike going to spike again. This is this is why I make the joke in the beginning of this that everybody in the show smokes. There's nothing but cigarettes going on. I know that's a Japanese thing, uh, but, you know, I mean, if you watch some movies from the early 90s, it was an American thing, too. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But like it's it's different in Japan, like in Japan, I, I, I have heard I haven't been there like smoking on the street is not something that is done. You want to go into a place to smoke, which is like the opposite of what we want. We do in America. It's really it, it's just interesting differences anyway. So so we see we see Venus and Venus has these cool sort of floating islands. Uh, and like we don't actually go to the ground in Venus. We just go to. Uh, or at least we don't go to the ground yet. We do eventually go to the ground in Venus. But um, it's 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 really neat to to see just sort of because this is kind of. Our, our next planet we have been to a lot of planets in the in the 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 universe so far and this is the first time that we've gone to see gone to see venus and just how different it is with kind of you know slightly different color tones to everything um mm -hmm. uh, and this is where we're introduced to sort of the uh the macguffin of the episode uh, a young guy named roco bonaro who run who tries to attack spike for some reason <laughs> Well, he tries to attack him because he saw how talented he was and he's trying to like see if he's actually that good because he's like, oh, snap, I, you're the kind of person I need to hang out with uh, because he's, he wants he wants to be taught how to how to fight. And oddly, he convinces Spike to train him, which is really interesting. I did not really expect that to happen, but I guess you don't really have a uh, of an episode if you don't do it that way. But uh well, that and like usually if you pester Spike enough, he gives in. <laughs> he's he's a good guy that way, that Spike. But this this is where some of the just absolute coolness of the character of Spike comes through because he he says these lines and Steve Bloom really pulls this line off as as Spike is teaching Rocco how to how to uh, how to fight uh, in, in a way as much as he can in like an hour and a half or however long they were doing that. And he wants 
wants Roko to be like water. And I'm sure this is actually biting from, you know, a Bruce Lee quote or something like that. I don't know. I can I can I can give you the exact Bruce Lee quote. Okay. You must be shapeless, formless, like water. When you pour water in a cup, it becomes the cup. When you pour water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. When you pour water in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Water can drip and it can crash. Become like water, my friend. And so Spike takes that. Water can take any form. It drifts without effort one moment and pounds down in a torrent the very next. Uh, And it's just, it's a very, it's a very wonderful sort of take on. It's it's fantastic. Um, It also shows that there is a severe understanding of the form of martial arts by Spike. He's not just someone who can do stuff. You often see, you know, in a lot of these action movies, people who can perform uh, at least some degree of uh, competent fighting. But Spike is someone who has clearly studied the art. He's been trained. He knows what he actually knows what he's doing. Yeah, right. And that's really perform uh, important. There's a difference between, between being taught how to do some moves and, you know, for showing off and someone who has been taught the philosophies behind a martial art and tries to at least apply it. Because if you when, when he says that you go back and think about how many times you've seen him fight and move in situations. And he does do that. This is consistent with the way that Spike has been behaving the prior episodes. Definitely. And I, Definitely. I love that about this because it's not just him offering a platitude for this episode. We have seen in action. This is how he this is how he moves. This is how he behaves. Of course, here's where the the real the real meat of the episode happens and that as Spike is down here training, of course, what's going on on the Bebop? Well, Faye has spent all her money and Jet is looking at local bounties just to see if they can make a little spending money and uh, discovers a, a gang that is is uh, has done some stuff that you need to to make sure that you can, you know, you're, you need to go get them all. And of course, Rocco is a member of that gang and that's who he was being chased by uh, earlier on. Um, and we we start to to learn some some stuff we learn all about venus and how there is an allergy to to this chemical that they use to to terraform this bacteria they use to terraform venus and there's these special plants that uh, are used in a cure but they're very expensive and of course roko has a sister who is uh who has been blind since uh they moved to venus because she is uh, allergic to to that and he was stealing that plant to try to 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 either help her or sell it to get enough money to help her. And uh, of course, uh, he got into a gang to do that and betrayed the gang that now wants to kill him. Uh, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 it's, of course, you know, that tale is going to end the way those tales do. <laughs> but well, and I also like seeing, you know, a lot of these classic crime and noir tropes coming through in the in this uh, in this anime. Um, there's you know, some some nodding to like Chinatown um, or on dangerous ground. And I, I love seeing a lot of love to the crime genre. And one of the things that noir and and a lot of that that kind of, of crime story do is they do tell the stories of people who have put themselves in, into bad situations or have just had hard luck and had to make hard decisions or bad decisions. And I, I like seeing that we've seen that constantly on display within the series and we'll, we'll see it in the, in the, uh, in two more episodes. Yeah. And I think that they, when they were constructing this series, you could just, I've said this a few times, but the amount of, of care and also adoration to the, the work that had come before, like, you know, this isn't just a science fiction show. And I think they do such a tremendous job at at displaying that. I mean, the they could easily have just made, oh, this is cool space battles and kung fu fights and not focused on the characters of these these day to day stories, you know, in these episodes of the week. But the, the episode of the week that they're telling here with um, with this uh, Stella, his sister, yeah. like. It's it's so heartbreaking and it's such a good story. And 
this goes back to what you know what nabe had said that he wanted to do with this show it's just every episode felt like a full-length movie and this this has all the beats of a full-length movie you could stretch this out to 90 minutes and it would still be satisfying i definitely and and that is what and and i want to i want to highlight what you said miles this is a noir story first and that's true of most of these episodes most of the series it's not about jazz. Jazz is the backdrop. It's not about it's not about sci-fi. Like sci-fi concepts are definitely a part of it. That's a weird space plant that the dude stole, but that could easily be, you know, something else. It could just be medicine that he stole that is really right. expensive. Like it, it it's the that's the core of the story and everything else around it is just the flavor text, the the stage directions for for it. And that is such an important distinction uh, when it comes to, to projects like this. And I want to hold on to that idea as we watch the rest of this show and as we watch uh, into the rest of this this universe um, to, to kind of round out this episode, because there's not a lot story wise that happens outside of this. Um, of course, there is a uh, the the gang catches up to to Rocco, uh, who of course has given the plant to Spike so that uh, Spike will defend it. Um, in in one of the funniest way uh, funniest catches possible, after spending the entire episode running from from this gang, he he ducks into the bathroom and happens to be using the 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 stall right next to the 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 crime lord that he's just yeah. Uh, gone against and well Um, that the two guys come up we can't find him anywhere boss (laughs) (laughs) Um, this this also shows the the excellent comedic comedic time this show has because adding humor to a show to to a a story like this could be extremely clumsy and the way they the way they do this is just so well executed and it's not just this. I mean, it's it's Spike at the beginning. It's it's everything. But the fact that they can they can add this little bathroom joke in the midst of all of this is. It's so it's so incredible. Yeah, uh, there's honestly only one moment in this this episode that doesn't work for me. And it's sadly the moment that has to have the most emotional weight. Um, in, in the final fight with the gang versus uh, Spike and Faye. Uh, and Rocco Rocco uses the move that Spike taught him to flip a guy on his back. And of course he's like, I did it. I did it. I was like water. And of course then immediately gets shot and killed. And it just, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a classic moment, but it's also kind of a cheap moment. You know, you know what I mean? Like, am I alone in thinking this miles? I, I I'm not, I don't feel as strongly, but I do agree with you. Uh, I, I, that could just be the that could just be the voice of the character. He he, uh, um, which I need to look up who I needed to look up who who played him because he sounded familiar. I want to I want to say he might have been uh, the English Togusa, but uh, but yeah, and uh, but of course they they you get the the kind of moment of spike talking to his sister in the hospital after she's had her first treatment because he was able to get her the money for for all of this and uh yeah and it's her learning about his death and it's 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 sad and and see that that's the scene that doesn't quite land as well for me like i story-wise i think it's great but i i i feel like they kind of fumbled the the very end a little bit. Yeah, I I, um, I kind of agree with that. Um, again, I think that might just be a a, a performance thing, voice uh, uh, voice direction thing, uh, which is mm-hmm. rare to say for this show. Um, let's move on. Episode nine. Oh boy, this is a huge episode. Episode nine, jamming with Edward. This introduces and and finally rounds out the the last member of the the main cast of Cowboy Bebop in one of my favorite anime characters of all time. And that's uh, Edward Wong Howe Pepelu Tivruski IV. Ed made it up. <laughs> uh, I remember being uh, in college and my screensaver was like this uh, mo- uh, uh, 
Ed artwork. Because uh, I just I think that character was so great, so funny, and such a a breath of fresh air on the show. <laughs> I mean, Ed Ed is is a a wealth of positivity and and high energy that that contrasts the sort of grim dour spike and Faye and jet as they're worried about money and worried about their histories and and all of this stuff Um, this episode also starts on earth this is our first real look at earth at least earth as it exists in this time period we saw it once before uh, and we get a little more description of uh, of what is going on on the planet we still don't know what we know that an accident happened and the moon kind of exploded and rains down rocks onto the planet. Well, uh, isn't it the same? A- they said it was a hypergate accident. Isn't the same accident that created the um, the assassin, the little boy? Yes, same same event. Um, but our Earth surprisingly is not depopulated. There are still people that live on Earth. They just live underground. Um, but as as uh, a part of this, or at least mostly underground, as a part of 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 the story of this, we're opened up with these space lasers that are carving these these weird carvings into the surface of the planet. And the 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 government, everybody thinks that it's a hacker that's done this. And what better hacker than Radical Edward, which is such a name. <laughs> it's such an anime name from the 1990s. Um, I. I love it. Well, because it's also such a hacker name, you know, Radical Edward, because, you know, Ed- Edward is is known as Ed to by fans of the show. It's cast as Ed. But Radical Edward is definitely a name that uh, a, you know, 12 year old hacker would come up for themselves. Definitely. Uh, so, of course, the Bebop crew. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny to hear how they talk about Earth. It's like. Nobody wants to go to Earth. Nothing yeah, weirdos no, on Earth. No, nothing, nothing good can come going to Earth or something like that. It's so great. Uh, and uh, of course, Faye uh, convinces them to to go and and figure it out. And uh, and and so they they go. She and thinks they, the hacker job will be super super simple. Yes, because hackers are uh, uh, pasty fat nerds that sit in their rooms at their computers all day. And I was like, huh, what a uh, yes. What a, uh, an accurate depiction. <laughs> well, yeah. Hackers are nerdy, pasty, tubby little geeks with triple thick glasses. And this one is probably a demented otaku with smelly feet. So catching him will be a breeze. <laughs> oh, uh, but, uh, of course, I, I have to. Once we see Edward hacking, I do have to say I love 90s depictions of future Internet. Uh, it reminded me of. Um, oh, gosh, it's uh, really popular cyberpunk uh, lane. Serial experiments lane a little bit. Yes. Like it's just this, it's just this. She puts on these VR goggles uh, and just sees this sea of like advertisements and web pages <laughs> and stuff and and just knows exactly what to do and types super fast and blah, 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 blah. Um and Ed figures out that no, it's not a hacker that has done this. This weather satellite has gained consciousness, has gained sentience. And so uh, it decides that uh, to to protect it. So the plan is they are going and she hires the Bebop crew to do this uh, because the bounty is going to be huge for this. I think it's eight million Wulongs. Is yeah, eight it? million Wulongs. And, and this this also says so much about X. Ed decides to give uh, the computer a name. She calls it Empu. Uh, and I also it's love like the, CPU, but better. <laughs> yes. And I, I love that the computer resembles like how 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's again, just really, really fun sci fi references. And. Ed does n- even even at one point where like police are raiding the 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 place where she's kind of squatting. Is not at all like bothered. Not not phased one bit. And nope. in fact, sees it as a new new way to play with something. <laughs> <laughs> because the entire time she's kind of made this little remote controlled drone. And then the, the, the remote controlled p- drone that looks like the Bebop. <laughs> and then so when <laughs> when the police come in, she hacks into their their like police ship and uses that as her drone. 
<laughs> and does it at the end of the actual bebop too uh, um but th- but this is I where i love oh, that one of the names on ed's computer is thomas wayne oh i missed that <laughs> uh, but this, this that is what where... I, I saw on, I, I i had seen a pause like a uh i didn't see, catch it when i saw it but there was a a a screen grab of ed's computer and i saw that name on there so ed's plan and this is where i think is really cool is that ed determines that they need to to get to the satellite and they have to sneak in and do it without using any uh any computer hardware any like do manual controls and all of that because if they don't the satellite just wake up and the defense satellites will start shooting at it uh, and plug in to download mpu to make a copy of mpu onto this external thing turn that in to the cops who will then you know have it and they'll get the bounty but leave mpu the original copy of mpu on its satellite just totally fine left alone uh, so that they they know what to do and that's it's such a it's such a sweet honest clever plan that oddly works but what i love about it is the ways that they they get like because spikes in his in his little swordfish uh craft and he turns off his computers but i just love how he 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 reaches up and he's in this little you know bubble thing that he's in and he just vents air in different directions in order to turn the ship and i i just love little details like that it's really well animated and it's really cool uh, and then of course the actual fight starts and they have to to do some cool stuff uh, and fire some missiles and you get to see cool missile smoke trails and things like that that i just i love um and of course they save the day they 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 save mpu they get the copy of it they turn it into the cops and of course the cops give them nothing because it's not a bounty it's a yeah. computer program it doesn't count i was excited because oh yeah they got the bounty and then uh <laughs> nope nope um which i i think it's kind of a, a a fun way to to show that like they don't always lose the bounty by accidentally killing somebody it's or, or just losing the person it's sometimes they don't get the money just because computers don't count as people yeah uh, so now Ed is part of the crew because uh, they try to fly away without her. <laughs> and, uh, and she brings them right back, brings them right on back, and, uh, which which leads Spike to say. Jet, do you know that there are three things that I particularly hate? Kids, animals and women with attitudes. So tell me, Jet, why do we have all three of them neatly gathered on our ship? <laughs> That must be the uh, the the subtitle track because I think he says bossy women in the. Uh... Oh no, he said women with attitudes. I maybe think. maybe maybe I'm getting them and I'm getting them uh, swapped around, but the set's funny. It's yeah. terrible, but uh, it's... yeah, no, I mean it's, it's not a one that ages super well. Nope, but it, it's just <laughs> it, it's it, it's just a funny. Uh, it's just a funny moment for Spike because it's like well, I, I, there are three specific things I asked not to be around and I am <laughs> constantly around all three of them now. <laughs> so with that said, let's get into the last episode that we are going to talk about tonight. Episode 10, Ganymede Elegy. Uh, Ganymede uh, is, is I believe, the the episode, the the plan, the the satellite that we uh, saw earlier on with the the with the crazy uh cult with the uh, the the with the seal hats so it's also um it's a, it's a moon of jupiter i don't know if it was the same i don't know if it's the same one with the the with the the sea rats or not uh i didn't check before we started recording cuz i wasn't expecting that to really come up <laughs> but this this episode is I just love how how this show takes its time. We we get a little bit more insight into who Jet used to be, and I don't know. I think every time they've done this so far, it's always felt so rewarding because I feel like we get just enough to be like, "Ooh, this is this is who this person was." But we also like, if you ask me to tell you more about Jet, not going to give you much. Yeah, but but there's also little moments. So 
Oh no, no. Yes, as who well, he is as a person, well, and I, and and specifically, absolutely. But I, ju- I just mean like like the I was thi- talking about like background story stuff. But but even like so as we're landing, like I know because I've done research that the Bebop started out. It's a spaceship, but it's also a fishing vessel because you have to be both in the Cowboy Bebop universe. And as the Bebop is coming in to land, you see other ships that look like it in the water around around the port. And it's just such a like I went looking for that detail because I knew it was there, but I would not have gone. I would not have investigated that if I hadn't. But it's a it's a great little little detail. This Mm. is this is Jet returning home. This is he he talks to a, a guy that he used to work with on the force and they have some really accurate cop banter. <laughs> I I loved I love getting these little character. They're not even info dumps, but I love when you have someone who has known them from their past in their pre bebop times and they're they're not giving you an info dump, but they're going they're bringing up stuff. Oh, what was her name? Like giving you little clues and hints but you're also like you know everyone else is listening in too because jet's very private about his his background yeah and so it's i i really love how this episode's constructed narratively and i also love that we get another well you know like we talked about a a, a noir crime story uh, of people who have ended up in in bad times but it tried to do the right thing ended up with the wrong people and and all of that so um so the, this this episode focuses around Jet and his relationship with with an ex named is it Elisa or Lisa because I kept hearing them say both. I think it's Elisa, but sometimes they just said it quick enough that it just came out as Lisa. Okay, I, I should have because the entire that. time I'm thinking of you're tearing me apart, Lisa. So so uh, as as the episode starts with them turning in a bounty, which is the only reason they're there in the first place. But as as they get there, you start, you start, you know, Jet's kind of out of it. He's, you know, Spike's trying to talk to him and he's completely zoned out because as it turns out, we are going they're to going to turn in the bounty on the the Ganymede Island that Jet is from where he was a cop, where his ex-girlfriend lives and. And so, of course, while they're there, he just decides to to go and and see her. He's got this pocket watch that that he's keeps looking at that sometimes has a crack in it and sometimes doesn't. I can't tell whether that was a reflection <laughs> or a crack. <laughs> but then they go and 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 you have this you, there's this this weird dude sitting at the end of the bar that's got his hand in his in his in his jacket. And you don't know really what's going on. And and. uh and they just sort of kind of awkwardly talk and they talk about, you know, what's going on and they talk about this and that. And uh, and and dude disappears, uh, runs out and and and, you know, it, it's it's just kind of a weird. I don't know. It's it's really. Accurate in a way, like when you talk to an ex that you haven't talked to in a long time, that maybe there's some some. I don't want to say bad blood between, but there's some some un, unfinished business with and and you're, you're sort of having this most surface level conversation you possibly can at first because you you want to ask the big questions, but you don't know you don't have the, the strength to ask the big questions. It does, and she kind of gives him a, a non answer. And. And so he. He kind of accepts it, but moves, you know, he goes about his business. But as as a as an audience member, you're like, I'm not buying this at all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so. Then, of course, as this is going on, um, the guy who the of course, because Spike and Faye are like Spike's fixing his ship and Faye is sunbathing and Ed is trying to figure out what Faye is doing. And it's all like, I got to say. I, I think I loved Ed in 1990, 1999. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about Ed in 2021. Um, I'm, I, it's just changing perspective. But uh, anyway, uh, 
but Jet's old cop buddy calls and says, hey, there's a there's a, a, a bounty uh, that's about to get posted, but I'm going to let you guys know first because it's it's uh, Jet's ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. And oh, he has killed somebody. And that, then that's the bounty. So, of course, Faye and Spike go after this guy. And uh, there's some <laughs> there, there are some very interesting, funny moments. Uh, one of the the, the best levity moments in this entire episode is when spike is looking for hints on where rent rent is this guy's name um he parks his ship in the middle of of a of a very crowded street and there's just all these cars lined up on either side honking at him to to move it uh it's very yeah very he, he he cannot be bothered at all and i i absolutely love that uh, but we go we go back to Jet and and Elisa and 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 I, there are some really weird shots in this scene. Uh, do you do you know do you have any any references to what like because there's the the shots of the two of them talking, and then there's just these really quick cuts to 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 full frame faces and then back and really quick cut and back and really quick cut. It's really really interesting. But I I I, I wondered if you had seen any any reference to what that might be. Um, related to not really in terms of the actual like filming of the the episode i didn't really see anything on that a lot a lot of places usually give you a a decent list of of reference material and and this one for the way it was shot i i i've got nothing on it um and but i i I agree that this was a a an oddly framed episode in terms of of the way the camera was shot, especially in 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 the the final action of it. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like I think the episode itself is fantastic. I feel like some of the visuals, and I wonder if if they were done as a way to kind of maybe not have to do as much detail. Maybe, but there are some shots that are really, really. Yeah, uh, that's really the thing. Beautiful. It's like uh, I, maybe they spent their money on those shots. It could be. I mean, that that has definitely happened where you see a shot of of a spaceship early on that looks real janky. And then you see the really super detailed. I mean, we saw that. I didn't mention it in episode nine when they were a lot of phase shot, a lot of phase ship real fast moving, real low detail, a lot of spike ship, real slow moving, real high detail. But uh. Uh, of course, uh, that we find we find out that the reason that they are in trouble and she is closing her bar and going away is that they she borrowed money from some money lenders. Uh, the money lenders confronted them, and in a scuffle, Rent killed one of the money lenders, uh, one of the the gang uh, guys that that did this. So one of the the I forget what what do you call people that do that? Um, what's the He's, what's the hmm? a bookie? No, bookie's like a gambling guy. Uh, loan shark loan shark there it is it's a it's a it's a water planet i should have known that it was loan shark um anyway uh and and she decides that she's gonna they're they're gonna run off together and of course when he runs she goes with him and it becomes kind of a, a bit of a chase but as we we were introduced uh in the beginning as we're getting into uh uh jet when he was a cop was was called the black dog and when he bites he doesn't let go uh, and and that's apparently a reference to a Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> interesting. Um, but uh, they so they they get in this little speedboat and they're going off and conveniently Spike just happens to see them. I don't know how he spotted them and how he spotted who they were. He's a very observant guy. We've seen that before. But, uh, uh, you know, confronts them and, and you know, is is attacking them. But of course, happens to run into jet who has no idea that they've run off at this point and uh and jet jet decides that he's going to be the one to to bring him in because he he has to he feels responsibility and and kind of confronts them on the on the uh the the side of the the water and uh i I love when before spike goes away he's like you're not gonna let him get away are you (laughs) and and you wonder for a bit if jet is gonna let him get away but uh, but there's just this this kind of wonderful shot between the two of them. And as they're kind of standing over and Jet is unarmed and and she has the gun pointed at him and, and they pull back and you see all this sort of dock machinery and you see this ship kind of flying overhead. And it's just this this wonderful, beautiful shot 
um that 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 uh, that's framed right there and uh and yeah um she she drops the gun they 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 have it out they have their moment of of what they needed and what she wasn't getting from their relationship and he got some closure and he got to turn in the bounty <laughs> even though it looks like it, the guy might get get off uh, with a with a self defense plea which is which is interesting which and, is uh, is fine that's not what the bounty is for the bounty is for capturing the person so they they, they got the money everybody wins everybody wins and uh as as jet walks away he uh, pulls out the watch just tosses it into the water and heads on out I love that moment. I, I I really liked that uh that bit of him kind of really closing closing the book on his past in a way that he needed to, uh, which was was seemed to be the theme of the episode. And I also, uh, in the greater scheme of things, love that Spike was pretty much aloof the whole entire time. Yeah, like this is Jet's episode, and you don't need spike as either the audience stand in or offering commentary like it was a, the the right move to let jet do this by himself and Faye is literally just in a bikini getting sun the entire episode <laughs> it happens it's the 90s and man. it happens in anime a lot <laughs> it was the 90s uh, so that is and where it we're... still happens in anime a lot <laughs> yeah uh that is where we're going to end uh, this episode uh, tonight, today, this morning, tomorrow. Oh. Uh, but let's talk about what we're doing next week, Miles. Next week, I think we're going to do three more episodes. We're going to do a little slow burn. Yeah, uh, next week is uh, one, a, a busy slash chill week for a lot of people in the United States. And so we wanted to keep that load a little light for that week. And, you know, we, we, we will likely be doing the opposite uh, for the next couple weeks afterwards. But, yeah, we wanted to keep things nice and easy as we sauntered into the winter. Yeah. So we are going to talk about episodes 11, 12 and 13. Episode 11, Toys in the Attic. Episode 12, Jupiter Jazz Part 1. And episode 13, Jupiter Jazz Part 2. Um, in the run up to the Netflix show, there's been a lot of of episode lists and things like that. And Toys in the Attic is one that people have soured on. <laughs> so I am interested to see what I think about it and what you think about it, Miles. Uh, so that's going to be next week. Episodes 11, 12 and 13. So in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, tell us what you think. If you're watching along, if you're ahead of us, if you're behind us, if it's your first time or your 20,000th time watching the show, let us know. Tweet to us at the more you nerd. Uh, Facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And of course, you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. So until next time, we are going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. out.